Welcome back to the Discovering Forest Street podcast. My name is Corey Lofi. I'm one of your hosts, hanging out with Joe Aiken and a special guest tonight. Joe, how the heck are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's always a great time when you and I get to talk trees. So. Oh, yeah. I'll get to be back. Give me a cloudy, rainy day, and when we get to do this, it just kind of brightens my day. So all is good. Um, I'm excited about today. Uh, today's podcast we're going to record. It's uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. It's going to be a change of direction. Yeah, you know when when you and I talk about the tree industry and urban forestry and climbing, I remember one of my first uh, technical climbs, technical removals, and it involved a crane. And through a series of our guests and a couple of friends of the podcast, they're putting us in contact with this gentleman who we're going to talk to today, and that's what he does. So without further ado, let's welcome Hans Thielman to the podcast. Hans, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the the podcast today. Oh my God, no problem. I was laughing when Corey uh, mentioned and we're going to have you on. I was excited. Um, I've had an opportunity to meet you a few times at other trade shows, got to play in the big mobile home van. Um, Eric and I are good friends. He speaks highly of you. Uh, so we're excited. Uh, I started thinking back to my early days of Arbor culture when we had this 1969 Ford F8, 8,000 mm-hmm. beat up crane. And uh, it was scary enough just getting it to a job, let alone having that, all that apparatus above your head. Um which will, I, I hope, guides us into, uh, like a lot of things, what we used to do in the past isn't what we should be doing today. Sure. Um, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people don't understand a lot of this equipment. And what's really funny is that, you know, cranes were never really designed initially for picking trees up. You know, they were meant for unloading and installing material and components into buildings and infrastructure and bridges. And um, we as an industry kind of took that tool and adopted it into our own version, even in terms of how we set it up, you know, in areas that are, aren't the best in terms of ground conditions. And, um, you know, when you visit with manufacturers and you visit with people who use this type of equipment in construction, you know, typically we're working on generally flat graded surfaces or, or concrete pads, you know, surface, you know, concrete surfaces that are perfectly smooth. And um, if you read the operator's manual, you know, they, they have these expectations in terms of how to use this equipment, where to use it. And we don't have that, um, we, t- we typically don't really have that luxury of setting up on those perfect conditioned job sites. Every job site is unique and the soil and the, the terrain that we're working on is unique. And it's up to us to use our best judgment and the knowledge that we have to recreate those perfect conditions, you know, mechanically alter the soil with cribbing and pads, um, and blocking to level out the equipment and make sure that in terms of stability, you know, we have the most stable surface to set up, up set up upon. And um, as an instructor, you know, I've taught, I teach a lot of arborists, but I also teach other industries as well. That I, when I first started, I didn't teach tree guys right away. Um, I always joked and I said, you know, 
in construction, you know, crane work is really actually kind of boring because you have a lift plan. You have an engineer that tells you what to do and what you're setting up on. As an arborist, you know, we wear many hats when it comes to crane use and, and using our best judgment and the tools that we have mentally to overcome these, these situations um, when it comes to setup. And then as far as rigging, you know, we're not picking geometric objects. You know, we're picking stuff that has um, an off position center of gravity in various different degrees, vertically, horizontally. We have um, the ability for our loads to shift in position where, when it comes to rolling or flipping over. So there's a lot more to consider in tree care when using cranes. Um, you, you said that, you know, it was interesting and it kind of dawned on me when we, when Corey and I, uh, a lot of our previous guests, a lot of the equipment that we talk about was designed for arboriculture. Chainsaw it was designed to cut wood, uh, climbing harness to hold you in the tree, cordage, keep you from falling out of the tree. You know, these things are all designed for arboriculture. And you made a, a great point that it was the crane was never designed for arboriculture. It was adopted by the industry. Mm -hmm. is, are there differences in cranes or is a crane a crane is a crane it's just how you apply it you, you, you touched on terrain which is huge you're not on a flat surface uh, you got to adjust a crane but is there any other modifications to a crane for arboriculture um in terms of in terms of how it was engineered and designed yeah they're 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 starting to you know, their, their popularity in our industry has inspired some manufacturers to start to build other types of equipment, um, especially when it comes to like log loaders, you know, log loaders with a, with a small, with a small boom on it. Now they're starting to attach grapples to larger size loaders um, to manipulate material and take trees down. Um, you have equipment like um, Cenobogans and you have equipment like Merlots and Magnes telehandlers that they're starting to adopt into the arboricultural field and trying to make small changes to them to combat the forces that we see in tree care because we are picking stuff that's not perfectly shaped. You know, things do tend to lean to one side or balance differently. Um, and all that takes a toll on the equipment itself. Okay. Um, so it's kind of too soon to kind of put, um, it's kind of too, too soon to kind of put a, a, a finger on what is going to be the best type of equipment, because I feel like we're still kind of very early on in, in how this stuff is being used and developed one of the things that I'm that one, it's one of my biggest pushes in terms of the work that I'm doing in terms of um, working, doing tree work in the name of science, you know, what, what, what is this doing to our equipment, how we're using it? Is it stuff that we should be holding manufacturers accountable for, or is it operator error when we see stuff like this flip over or have a, a structural failure or wear and tear? What is wear and tear on equipment now, considering that when you open up an operator's manual, most of the operator's manuals will tell you do not lift any loads in a dynamic fashion. And pretty much that's all we do. 
um, is dynamic work. Um, so does that go against warranty? Is that going against best practices for the equipment? What does OSHA have to say? What does ANSI have to say? And to be honest, there's really um, no one really owning up to what the official ruling is. Wow. So that's where I come in as a independent private third party to saying, hey, you know, these are our standards, but this is the standard that I hold as an independent person. And I'm going to I'm going to exceed OSHA's recommendation and say that I'm going to make my own rules. OK. I get it. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, and you think about access, you know, as I'm talking A-X-I-S, access. Um, most crane operators are an X and a Y, up and over. But you're right, you have to put Z in there. You got to go X, Y, and Z, all three axes, because you can go 360 degrees at any time when you start picking a limb out of a tree. And I think that's a neat spot where the yeah, crane um, manufacturer uh, has to understand that now you have lateral movement, lateral pull, uh, quick correct. And, and a branch. A lot of, yeah, a lot of many, and a lot of manufacturers. Um, I'm a big nerd when it comes to operators manuals that like, like I was never a big reader um, growing up, but I love reading operators manuals. Um, I always found them so fascinating to learn something about a tool that you're using to get an advantage to, to be a true master of the tool. Um, because there's always going to be in the world, one person that's the best at one thing. Well, that, you know, how do you be the best? It's knowing, what you're using inside and out. And I, I, I constantly remind my students that the more you know about the equipment you're using, the better you're going to be and really truly know what you're capable of within its limits. Um, and what I have found is that within these, within these guidelines and these um, manuals that I'm, that I'm reading is that they're very vague on certain, certain topics because they don't want to be accountable for, for things that are occurring. Um, so they make broad statements. There's a lot of gray areas um, that are arguable when an accident does happen. Is it the manufacturer's problem or is this an operator error? Um, so again, uh, this is stuff that I've been paying very close attention to in the industry because again, we are adopting a tool that was originally designed for tree work um, and it works very well, but maybe there, maybe there is a, there's additional factors that need to be considered in the work that we're doing. Um, I come from a, a small tree care business out of New Jersey, and maintenance on our equipment was vital to to stay op to stay operating. And to own a piece of equipment and have it not show up fit for service to the job may take a job that was going to make some pretty good profits and now stretch it out to a two or three day job because you had an issue with your crane or you had an issue with your bucket truck. Um, or, or so, now, excuse me, or an injury, you know, let alone you got to correct you know. or it for an injury. So, um, making sure that when we buy equipment, is it going to, is it going to last? Is it something that you're going to be owning for the next 15 or 20 years? All right. Is it going to make it that long? Um, and, and like I said, using it and maintaining it to its potential. Sure. No, you, you said something that I, it kind of just struck me a minute ago. Can we, can we talk about, 
about what what do you look for as a crane operator? Why would why would a tree service choose a, a crane to go with a crane for a, a removal or or something technical like that? And then what do you look for with a company or with a foreman on the job site? Um, in terms of like why is a crane beneficial? Uh, they're they're awesome. I mean, regardless of what they were originally designed for, you know, understanding the factors that go into utilizing them. You can take jobs and do, you could do three full day jobs in one day, depending on the type of work you're doing. It's low impact. Um, you're able to take, you know, you're able to take substantial size picks and manipulate them and position them into places and, and, and dispose of them, you know, in a way that's going to be much quicker than having to rig something or to, to, to um, cut and drop something in somebody's property that you're going to have to restore depending on the customer. Um, they, they are, um, they take some time to set up, but in terms of production tree work, you're not going to get any faster of an approach. Um, Or or safer in most many cases, I'm guessing. Sometimes, um, I wouldn't say crane work is always going to be the safest, but it definitely, it definitely is, um, put it this way. I think that the time, the, the more time you spend in a tree, the more time that there's a potential for an incident. So I think that the faster, the least amount of cuts that you can make is going to be the safest, you know? So if I have to take this tree down and climb it and take it down to 50 cuts and I can now bring a crane in there and now take that down to five, um, I think that's going to, it's going to reduce injury. Um, like I said, just for, for, you know, um, cycles to failure, you know, types and cuts and putting yourself in positions to get injured. Um, in terms of, in terms of um, having the right people in a job, is that what you're asking the second part of your question? Yeah. What, what would you look for with a contractor? What would you prefer to have with somebody who's actually out there running, running a saw on your site? Um, well, the bet, the first thing is going to make, make sure that anybody who is going to be present on the job site has documented training with working in a production environment um, and utilizing crane use. Okay. Um, We do offer a crane certification program. Now that's not something that every single person needs to have to be on the job site. Would it be nice to have? Sure. Um, But I understand that there's, you know, that that's not the case for every single business, Um, but having some sort of proof of training to say that this person is on this job and he is in fact competent to work near and around cranes. That, that's, yeah, it's awesome. Cause I, I had a note here that as we talk about the crane as it evolves to be a, a substantial tool for certain uh, removals and certain sites. And I'm sure that guys are in a, in a, in a hard to climb tree. They're using it as a false crotch to tie into, to get past their trees down. Um, what about the, you know, the training for the, in the tree tech that's making the cut? Sure. So let, let's, um, let me step back really quick and just cover what the different classifications of training are. Okay. okay. And we're going to start from the bottom and work our way all the way up to the top. So that's first level of training is going to be competency. Are you competent, um, in the work that you're doing? Meaning that did you participate in a 
training topic for a certain amount of hours covering a certain amount of a certain amount of key um, key areas of the work that you're doing. So um, having an agenda that covers the most important factors of the work that you're doing. Um, competency training doesn't require any sort of testing. It requires you to be present and having proof that you were there. So typically a sign-in sheet that says that you were there for six hours. This was the topic you covered and then the agenda that you covered during that class. That would make you competent, okay? Next, next level of training would be a qualification. Qualification would be, would be very similar to competency. Um, comp, uh, qualification is through an employer. So your employer would qualify you. That would, that would come with a written assessment, okay? So a quiz, it could be five questions. It could be 50 questions with also a practical um, hands-on portion, okay? Um, that says that you, in fact, have the knowledge what it takes to do this. You, did, you performed the physical test that says that you are now... Um, you do understand the limits of the equipment or whatever it is the topic that you're training on. And now your employer would then qualify you as a competent person or, or you, you'd be qualified as competent for that company. Okay. Uh, the next level would be certification. Certification is, um, is, is the same as qualification, except it's a personal credential. So if you were to leave your company and go work for somebody else, a certification would would carry over with you as the individual. Okay, you'd be a certified um, through a third party or accrediting body um, uh, that's not um, attached to your employer. So if you're just qualified as a crane crew member, you would be qualified through that tree service. If you were a certified crew member, you would be certified and that would travel with you as a personal credential. Okay, so certification. And then the, the top, the, the highest level of training would be a license. So you'd be licensed to do this type of work. Um, and that would be on a state or federal level. Okay. Okay, so those would be the different categories, the different categories of training. Um, what it comes down to as a expert in the field, working with people, you wanna make sure that they all have some sort of training that says that they understand this subject. Um, so if we were doing, you know, like I said, we were working on the crew, we would have our crane operator, which should be certified or qualified, depending on the state that you're in, um, or licensed. So New Jersey, you'd, ha you'd have to be licensed, licensed crane operator. Um, you would have to have a qualified signal rigger. So somebody that is qualified to rig and signal properly. And then you would have your arborist um, in qualified arborist in charge, which would be the person that's responsible for the job um, that understands all the aspects of using cranes and trees. So sometimes you might not have a crane operator there that, that understands tree work. If you're renting a crane, you would want to make sure that somebody on the job site is qualified to that understands cranes and the different variables and factors of trees and wood and types of wood that you're picking and cutting. Um, you would have a spotter. A spotter would be somebody that, that can observe clearance from utility lines. Um, They're the person that can communicate between the crane operator and the climber if for whatever reason they were to lose communication. Um, communication loss would have, to, would have to stop operations unless you had a spotter. 
and then you would have a qualified ground crew member that would be that would be eligible for handling the material once it once it is the lift is complete. Um, so those would be your those would be your 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 key employees that would be there, and everybody would have to have to follow um, whatever protocols that company puts in place when bringing a crane on the job site through their through the JSA. Is there, um, we're working with uh, an industry where there's a lot of uh, certifications and endorsements and organizations that lead arbor culture. Is there anything in the works right now to have a, a manual for an arborist for crane work? Yep, there, there is one already. Um, there's a best practices for crane use by TCIA. There is a BMP um, out there. Yep, there's a best practices. It is um, it is a great resource. It's one of my favorite. Um, it's one of my favorite resources and recommendations for um, anybody who's interested in working with cranes. It does not really cover um, crane use with knuckle booms or grapple saws, um, but it's a good start for best practices for working on a crane um, that has a cable and a ball or a block. Um, very good. It's a very easy read. Uh, they did. They had one. Uh, they had a previous version that was much a much lighter resource. Um, this is a pretty pretty extensive book now that is um, very. They did a very good job on it. I have to say. Perfect, uh, Corey. Maybe we'll put a, a link to that too, so the guys after the um, when we drop this, we, people can see uh, that there are resources out there. Uh, not only just to call, you know, Hans's company and set up training, but there are reference material out there that you can pick up and start brushing through. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, I think that's a perfect segue as we're, you know, kind of kind of tying things together and, and putting a bow on it today. You know, Hans, one of one of my big questions would be, how do we get the name out about safety, about training? What's the best way that that people can find you? All the good stuff. Um, the best way to find, learn more is just to show up to events, um, you know, be active, um, in, in the Arborist community online, whether you're on tree buzz or Facebook or Instagram, um, show up to events, take the time, invest in yourselves, uh, you know, as, as a career arborist, you know, I don't think a lot of people consider themselves career arborists that they, they, they kind of think this is kind of like a holdover to the next step in their life. Um, but, um, invest in yourself and what I found, especially for me, you know, I went from working for a family business and you, and I, you know, I really honed in on my best practices as a, as a, as a career arborist. And I made a whole second career out of just implementing the work that I did in the field for, as a trainer, um, which I've, which I've found that I've helped a lot of people get ahead, especially when it comes to. Um, thinning the herd as an expert, you know, in their, you know, as a local tree service, you know, what makes you different? What makes you better than everybody else? And why do you charge more money or why do they charge less? Or what, what is the difference between your services and theirs? You know, it's knowledge and it, it's, it's going to come down to making um, discretion, discretionary decisions in the moment. Um, so, so being able to utilize the mental, the mental tools that I have, curated over the years and saying, Hey, this is a, this is a bad idea. Let's, let's look at it a little differently and let's try a different approach. A lot of people will just say, Hey, this is the plan. 
we're going to continue on. And that's when a lot of times accidents happen. Um, so um, in terms of, in terms of reaching me, um, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my personal account is the bad Hans. That's kind of been my staple since the day one. Um, and you can reach out to our, my business, which is NJ crane expert. If you want any sort of training or insight, um, we do certification training. We do, um, operator development where we can send a trainer, one of our eight trainers out to you and train you on your equipment in the field. Um, you can, we also do our crane simulation training where we have a crane, tra- we have a trailer that has two mobile crane simulators in them. We have five different types of equipment that we can train you on in a simulated environment where we can now do scenarios where you do make contact with power lines. You know, you do make contact hitting a structure. What happens? You know, this is stuff that you can't do in the real world. And um, you're going to have this at ArborFest, right? We are going to have it at ArborFest. Boom! Or you got to so, schedule. You got to schedule a session. Yes, yeah, so you can go, up, go on our website, go to our ArborFest page, and you can schedule a demo. Um, we'll have it there. And like I said, um, I am all about bringing the best. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of tree care. I love the industry. I love the people, and I am determined to to crusade as much as possible to get the message out about safety. And that's why I invested in this. This these are I have two military grade simulators. There are the only two like them in the country um some of the software on there we're the only ones that have it so and we're and we're not done yet we're going to be developing the very first grapple saw um simulation environment as well to show dynamics and show how how this stuff um really affects the equipment and the work that we're doing and and really um like i said um separate us as an industry from the landscapers that are out there you know put a little bit of Put a little bit of knowledge and science behind the reason why we're doing this work, explaining ourselves properly, not just winging it. And my customers see, see that difference, and they see that there, there's an answer for everything, and what, you know, having the right answer, and that's really what's going to get you ahead. I, I, I think it's amazing the technology that you bring into the market. And again, I think your your background is cranes; it's not agriculture. But as you mesh these two together, I think it's phenomenal the way you're doing it. And, uh, I think if I have one thing in advice, I would put an electric chair in the simulator. So if they do hit a power line, <laughs> there's a little realistic zap in their ass. The real, you know, cause it's, you got the three points of education, see it, feel it, do it. When they feel it. They might well, the, our simulators have, have access motion bases. They move. So if you flip the crane over in the simulator, it moves. That's yeah, I got elect- you put a little shock in there too. <laughs> put a cattle prod just under the seat or something. <laughs> yeah. Get the hair standing up on the back of the neck. Yeah, uh, it'll happen. That's awesome, Hans. Well, for, from the bottom of my heart and on behalf of the Discovering Forestry podcast, we really would just like to say thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you for, for taking your time and coming onto the show. And just know that uh, over the last few years, I've noticed a difference in how cranes are being used in the tree industry. And I, I credit a lot of that to you in your company. So, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Hey, great topic today. Yes. So lots of good information. Yeah. Probably one of our best yet. If you enjoyed the podcast or have topics you would like to discuss, please send them to discoveringforestry at gmail.com. 
And please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. Thanks, guys, uh, for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Joe. And I'm Corey. Signing, Signing out. out.